So John 1 and verse 9, and I'll read it there and then, and then pray. It says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we observed his glory. The glory as the one and only son from the father full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in your word. You didn't have to, but Lord, we're so thankful that you did, that we can know you and be known by you. And as we open your word today, I thank you that you open our eyes to the wonders of it. Lead us, Holy Spirit, illuminate it for us as each of us have need today in Jesus name. Amen. So we're continuing on Advent series, again, the four Sundays before Christmas. Advent being the Latin word for the arrival of a notable person or uh, thing, invention. But obviously we're talking about the advent of Jesus, his arrival into uh, this world that Jesus, the son of God, came to this earth. And what we're going to talk about today is why he did that. And we spent a week last year talking about why he did that. We read in John much later in the book in chapter 18 when he stood before Pilate and he said, it's for this reason that I've come into the world. For this reason I was born was to testify to the truth. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit more this year. Why did he come? He came. Yes. Amen. Why did he come? And again, as we observe these Sundays leading up to Christmas, Advent helps us prepare our heart, our affections, helps us prepare our mind and our thoughts to properly receive what he has for us in this special day, in in this holiday. It, It helps us to focus on the greater and not get swept up in the lesser. Right. We've got so many things going on and they're great and they're fun. And we're going to have a lot of fun with just the things that we've got scheduled. But there's an ultimate thing that sits above all of those. And if we miss that, we've missed the whole thing and we'd be better off not to do the rest of it. The greatest threat to Christmas isn't that they take the word Christmas off of a coffee cup from a really secular company. It's not that people end up spending too much money or that the stores say, you know, happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. That's not the greatest threat to Christmas. The greatest threat to Christmas is that we would become bored and disinterested with the most magnificent story ever told. That's the greatest threat that we wouldn't receive from it. The message that is in it, that it's actually built around the reason for the whole thing, which is Jesus Christ. And we talked about that a little bit last week. What happens when you use something in a way that it's not supposed to be used? Something gets broken or somebody gets hurt, right? That's one of dad's lessons. And we can use Christmas in a way that it's not supposed to be used and things can get broken and people can get hurt. So we want to make sure that we handle it rightly, that we take it slowly, 
thoughtfully in an unhurried way. And, and, and so last week we talked about how we come to the holiday, how we approach it. And then this week we're going to talk about why the holiday came to us, why it, why it, why he approached us. And we read there in John one, and that's where we also were last week. We were back in verse four and five. It, it talked about the true light that was shining in the darkness was coming into the world. The advent of Jesus Christ, his arrival on the scene. And in verse 10, we read that he was in the world. The world was created through him. And yet the world didn't recognize him. The world didn't recognize him. And we can we can see that in our own life, that that little phrase there that he was there, but they didn't recognize him. And we know that our life was like that at one time, too. He was there and really we knew deep down on the inside of us that he was there. The Bible says in the book of Romans that even creation testifies to the fact that God is there, but we just didn't see him for who he was. We couldn't recognize him. We couldn't make him out and everything else that was going on. But then once we met him, we could look back and see there you were right there. You were there, too. You, you were right there also in my life leading up to this point. You were already around me. I just didn't recognize you. And we're obviously still getting to know him as we walk through him, so walk through this life with him. He's always been there. I, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. And we can look back and see that evidence. But just like them, we, we couldn't recognize him at first. We couldn't recognize that it is all about him and that it doesn't get better than him. It said he was in the world, but the world didn't recognize him. And then in verse 11, it said he came to his own who were his own, the, the Jewish people, the people of the nation of Israel, the, the sons of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He came to his own people, but they didn't receive him. They didn't receive him. He wasn't what they were expecting. They, they couldn't see him because Christ, when he comes in, he, he shatters all of our preconceptions, all of our prejudices, all of the ways we have prejudged. Well, this is what life is about. And this is the way that life works. He shakes all of that to the core and replaces it with what is good and true and right. He opens up our eyes and our hearts to what real life is. And we saw that in verse four. That the light was the, there was a life in him and that life was the light of men. True knowledge, true knowing, true understanding. That's the only way we can come to it is through him. And it said he came to his own and his own didn't receive him. But then right after that in verse 12, it talks about, but all to all who did receive him. And I'm gonna have to stop right here because this kind of derailed me when I was studying this. I came upon something that was interesting to me. I hope it's interesting to you. And I hope it helps expound this text a little bit more. But there's two uses of the word receive right there. You see them. The end of verse 11 and the beginning of verse 12. He came to his own people. His own people didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him. So it's used twice. But what I found out when I was looking into that word is that those are two different words. That we've translated into receive for both. And not that we've wrongly translated, but, but the, the, the fullness of the definition of those words are a little different. In the Greek, there are two different words there. They're similar, which is why we translated them both into receive. But one of them is paralambano. 
and I may be butchering it, but I think we can get about what it is. Paralambano, and the second one is Lambano. The first one, when it says he came to his own people and his own people didn't receive him, Paralambano, but to all those who did receive him, Lambano. And I know y'all get really into the Greek words, so I'm going to spend a lot of time here. I'm really not, but I want you to see this. Because this, I, I, I took some time, I was like, Lord, I really, th this is really sparking me. I want to see what, why these are different. I didn't realize they were different. Now I want to know, I have to know why these two words are different. He came to his own people and they didn't receive him, paralambano. But to all who did receive him, lambano. So this one has a prefix on the front of it, right? And we know what happens when you put a prefix on the beginning of a word is it can change that word. And the prefix para means alongside or beside, like where we, we would get our line, word for parallel lines, lines that run alongside one another. And so when you include that in the word lambano, which means to receive, it means to receive alongside. And so when it's saying that he came to his own people, but they didn't receive him, Paralambano, they couldn't bring him alongside of what they were already doing. They couldn't add him to what they were already doing in their life. They couldn't add him to what they already thought truth to be. They couldn't add Jesus into that, and so they didn't receive him. I can't bring him alongside, and so I don't receive him. But the second usage removes that, and, and, and it's the full uh, meaning of the word receive, meaning that I open up and take in all that he is. That I'm not trying to bring him alongside of who I already am, what I'm already doing. I'm not trying to make my life just this plus Jesus. This second use of the word receive is I receive him in fullness. I give him full access to myself. I receive him in his rank and authority that he brings with him. I'm not just trying to bring him alongside what I'm already doing. And you see, they weren't able to do that. His own people did not receive him, para lambano, but to all who did receive him, all who would receive him, lambano. Saying, I'm not just trying to add Jesus to my life. Jesus is now my life. You see the difference there. And I, when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, I got to bore him with a little bit of Greek just so we can get to this. He came to his own and they didn't receive him because they couldn't bring him alongside what they were already doing. Paralambano. But to all who would receive him, Lambat, to receive him as he is. And I hope you see the difference there. They didn't recognize him because he didn't appear like they expected that he would. And they couldn't add him to what they were already doing. They were like, this is life. And they had no room for him to come in and bring the light and life and truth that he was bringing. He came not to be an addition to our life, but to be Lord of our life. And the huge difference there is Lombano is I'm giving him access to all of me. And Paralombano is I'm just allowing him to come up and walk alongside me. I'm just allowing him to kind of get closer to me in proximity. But we receive him as Lord. And more on that in a minute, because there is more to it there. But we have to talk about what comes next there in verse 12. It says, to all who did receive him 
And now your translation may flip-flop these, these last two terms. Mine says in the CSB, to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. Yours may say, but to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to be the children of God. It's just a little bit difference there in translation. But I'm going to take it in the order that it shows up in mine. All who did receive him, again, is all that he is, into all that I am. He gave them the right to be children of God. He gave them the right to be children of God. Who? All those who received him. He gave them what? The right to be the children of God. And now one big question that, that you know, I, I believe that the world asks or presents is, are we all God's children? Are we all God's children? Is everyone a child of God? And the answer is no, even though we all want to be. Is everyone a child of God? No, because it says some didn't receive him. Who did he give the right to be called children of God? Those who received him. So is everyone a child of God? Every person that you meet, is everyone a child of God? The answer is no, even though we all want to be. And we could go back through, is, is everyone created in the image of God, the imago Dei, and worthy of dignity and respect from us? And that answer is yes. We could, we, we've talked about that. But is everyone a child of God? No, even though we all want to be. Even though we all want to be. And again, verse 12 is one of the spots that is, is clear to us that not everyone that we come into contact with is God's child. Only those who receive him, who believe on his name and more on that part in a minute. We're not all God's children, even though we all want to be. And, and before we knew that's what we wanted, that's what we wanted was to be a child of God. Before we knew that's what it was, it was in there on the inside of us. That's what we want. Remember the, the quote from last week, Augustine, when he said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. You made us to be with you and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. And that was just a quote from a theologian, but scripture backs it up. It tells us that God has sowed, crafted eternity into the hearts of man. That our longing is to be with him that we know deep down at our core, the core of who we are, that there's an image that we were created in. We know that. And that image has been marred and mangled and dirtied by sin that it can be hard to recognize. But it, as I said, he sowed it into our hearts. One who is everlasting sowed an everlasting need into our heart that we cannot shake. We, 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 we can't get rid of it. We can't avoid it. We can try to uh, occupy ourselves with so many different things, but we can't get away from the fact that we were created by him. We were created uh, with a purpose for a purpose. That sounds like me. Amen. We know deep down that that purpose is in there. He sowed it into our hearts. And because of that, we seek the fulfillment of that. The purpose and dignity that we know is for us. We seek it out because we, we, we know we know we were made for more than what we are. We know we were made for more than what we're experiencing. We know that we know that we know that there's more to this life. 
and tied to that purpose and dignity that we're seeking is the belief that our lives matter and that they have value. And we know that and you can't shake that. It's been with you since you were born. It's there deep down. Those needs and those desires and those wants are there and we seek that it be fulfilled, don't we? And we start out before we realize that it's, it's the want to to be a child of God, that it's a want to to be in right relationship with him. We try to fill it in all kinds of other ways, all kinds of wrong ways, right? Things that hurt. What happens when you use something in a way it's not supposed to be used? Ties back to last week. We weren't created to be fulfilled by those things. We were created to be fulfilled by being with and in and in union with him. We know that we're made for a purpose. We know that we're made to matter and, and we search as hard as we want to to the ends of the world and we find that there's nothing else out there but the same chaos and brokenness that we find in our own heart. And so are we all children of God? No, but we all want to be. We all want to be. And we find the same chaos in the world that we find in our own heart. And it's almost like it was created right to start with, but then something went wrong. Because that is exactly what happened. And that feeling we've labeled it, or the biblical label for it, is exile. Remember, we talked about that. To know that I have a homeland and to not be in it. To know that, to know that home exists and not to be in it. We have that deep desire on the inside of us to go home and not just to a house, not to the street we used to live on, but to be at home and to not be at home as exile or estranged from our homeland, estranged from our family, the one that we belong with, the one that we came from. And when we have a need and a desire for home on the inside of us, but we don't have hope of reaching it, we have exile. We experience despair, despair, the, the depths of despair. And we aren't the first to feel that way. Isn't it funny how we can think we're the first to have a problem? But everyone going all the way back to the garden, going all the way back to the fall has felt that same way. And that feeling without hope is despair. Advent is the promise of hope becoming reality. Amen. Advent is the knowledge that home exists and there's hope of you reaching it. And it doesn't reside on you, but it's rooted in him. Yes. He was born. He came so that we could come so that he was born so that we could be born again so that we could return to that place of dignity and purpose that our heart longs for that we know is there for us, but has been kept out of our reach. The knowledge and, and the, knowing, the knowing both in here and then experience to feel it deep down in our core that yes, we do matter. We do matter. That's why he came. Next week we're going to talk about how he came, but this week we're talking about why he came. He came so that all who would receive him would have the right to be children of God. We aren't all God's children, even though we all want to be. It's all it's in it's in every single person to want to be a child of God. And he came so that all who would receive him and believe on his name would receive that right to be children of God. 
And when, and when you hear that child of God, it, it may have gotten so Christianized in your mind that it's just turned into like a little cutesy wootsy term, right? I'm guilty of that. I realized that this last Monday that I had fallen into that, that this term for me had, had kind of been like, yeah, child of God, I'm a child of God, you're a child, we're all children of God, almost like a little song that you would sing in kids' church or something. It just seemed like a little cutesy wootsy thing. When in fact, it's the foundation of love and meaning and validation in our life. It is home. And that struck me anew when I was uh, sitting in on the Overcomers meeting last Monday night. Uh, and and Cleegee Blackwell, the leader of Shift in El Dorado, a recovery group over there, part of Cross Life Church, uh, who, who the, the group here, the Overcomers group, is kind of a, a sister to, or you may say a daughter of, a child of that ministry there. She, she shared... And she said, 12 years ago, I was cooking meth and I was living in fornication in deviant sexual relationships. And I was so, so angry. She said, I was so angry. But she talked about how God saved her. And the first thing, the very first thing after she after she believed after she received him who had come, she said, I felt so extremely loved. And, and, and she said, it, it was like he said to me, you are my daughter. And she said, God wasn't looking at me as me. He was looking at me and seeing Jesus. He was looking at me in the blood of Jesus and that and, and I'll kind of just mess you with what I'm saying today. That gave her the right to be called a child of God. And when she shared that, I had a, a, a refreshed revelation in my own heart of what it means to be a child of God, that he would look on me with that amount of love and joy and acceptance and validation, that he would look on me knowing who I am. That he would look on me and say, you are mine and I love you. And, and see, we can even take him and go, yes, he looks on me and sees Jesus. Well, of course, who wouldn't love Jesus? I'm in Jesus, but he's still seeing me. It's just in the light of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. He's always wanted to look at you like that. And when you're in Christ... You receive that sonship, that, that daughter relationship. And, and it just moved my heart more than it's ever been moved before. I, I know I'm saved. I know how good God is and I know his grace towards me. But just I knew that he would look on me as his child, that he would look on me as his son. Knowing how much scripture tells me he loves Jesus that he would look at me like that and not just look at me like I put on a Jesus outfit and he, oh, this is Jesus again. I love him. And I'm, I'm kind of in disguise underneath it. It's not that he understands completely who I am and what I've been and where I've been and what I've done. But he looks on me and says, you are my child and I am your father. And that just struck my heart so fresh and so new that I'm just bad. I'm just crying. I'm like, this is just I, I'm so glad that I was here. And, and, and just a little aside, she said, when I felt that love and I knew I was his daughter, she said, I got rid of everything else. I threw it all out. 
I threw out the drugs. I threw out the people. I threw out the anger. I threw out the unforgiveness. When I, when I felt that love and I knew I was his child, I threw it all out and I saw the difference there. She didn't say, oh, I felt like I needed to get rid of it or he wouldn't love me. I'm going to do this so that he will love me. It's because he loves me. My response is to do this. It's out of the love that I've already received. And I was like, that is the gospel message. That's the message of grace. That's the one that Jesus came to make available and to deliver. Is that all who would receive him would have the right to be called a child of God. Right to be children of God. And again, I guess I'm a little slower. It just hit me special that night. But I was like, he is our father and he looks on us like a loving father. And when you use that term father, that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Right. And we can have a lot of baggage that comes along with that because there's a lot of earthly fathers that were just so broken that all they could do was break stuff. We all break stuff, but some of them were extra broken and did a lot of breaking. And so we can think that he's altogether like that when he is altogether different. He's not like that. And deep down, we know that. Darkness doesn't mean that the light doesn't shine. It actually makes it, you see how much brighter the light is when you've experienced darkness. When it says child of God, it's an escalation of there was the nation of Israel, right? He loved the nation of Israel. It was his, th these were his people. And when he opened it up to all of us who weren't a part of that, it didn't diminish, it escalated. It said, you aren't just my people, you're my children. Child of God means you are especially dear to him. You, you are especially dear to him. That's the, the home, the dignity return, the, the purpose uncovered, acceptance by him, wholehearted and again, joyful. Not in a, well, I feel like I have to. They, they claim Jesus's name, so I got to let them in. He is looking at you as a child of his. And then one other thing she said, and I'll quit preaching her sermon and I'll finish preaching mine. She said, the enemy will come and talk to you and say, but you are. But you were, but you did. She said, and God will tell you who he is. The enemy will come and tell you who you are, but God will come and tell you who he is, which gives you new identity in him. This is what we're talking about, his advent into the world. He came, why? So that all who would receive it, so that all who would receive him would receive from him the right to be children of God. Hope restored and great joy experienced. Despair leaves when hope comes. Despair leaves when hope comes. Are we all children of God? No. Even though we all want to be. Can we, can anyone become a child of God in Christ? Absolutely. And certainly. So one more thing as we finish up, because I told you we were going to come back and finish out that sentence. He came to his own and they didn't receive him. Because they couldn't they couldn't have their life and his life. But to all who did receive him. Who welcomed Christ to become their life, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believed on his name. 
to those who believed on his name. I want to talk about name for just a second. A minute, a minute. His name. It's more than just what someone is called. It's so much more. At work the other day, some of the younger folks came into my office and one of them said, I got a joke. I got a joke to tell you. I'm like, all right, I'm always ready to hear a joke. And she said, it was two or three of them. She said, what is Jesus's name? I was like, what's well, Jesus? She's like, no, no, no. And they start laughing and then they mess with the punchline. I was like, you told the joke wrong. The joke is what's God's name? And the answer to the joke is his name is Howard. How do you know his name is Howard? Because when I was at church, I heard the preacher say, our father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. I didn't say it was a real funny joke. But I told him the other one. I said, when well, the little boy says, I know God's name. And his mom said, how do you know God's name? He's like, because we sing it. She's like, when do we sing it? Uh, he says, his name is Andy. And I know because we sing the song that says, Andy walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me. However, that one, that one goes. I told you they weren't good, but I had to educate them a little bit. Y'all don't know nothing about dad jokes. I've heard them all. But there's more to a name than just what someone is called. A name is used for everything that that name covers, everything that it contains, everything that it makes possible, everything that it encompasses is in the name. Everything that the thought of that name or the feelings that are aroused when you hear it mentioned or it comes to mind, to, to, to hear it mentioned, to remember the name, everything that comes up with that. That's what it means when it says the name and then also including rank and authority. It's all in the name, all the excellences, all the deeds tied up in that name. His name is Jesus, which means the Lord saves, but that's not the only thing it's talking about when it says the name right here. There were other dudes named Jesus. You know, there are plenty of them down south of the border named Jesus. We say, hey, Seuss, right? Jesus, great name. The name, the name meant the Lord saves, similar to the name Joshua, Yeshua, the Lord saves. But so much more than that, he's also called, what did the angels say when they appeared to the shepherds? They said, don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy because unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. Savior, Messiah, who is Christ the Lord. He's Christ. He's, he, he is the anointed one and it refers to the anointing that he Bears and Lord. We've talked we, we talked about that a lot. That He is Lord. That's the name that's above every every name. It, it, it encompasses everything in together. It says, when his own didn't receive him, but all who did receive him, he gave them right to be children of God, to those who believed on his name. He gave us his name on which to believe, which includes all that he is and all that he's done. And we, we, when we receive him as all that he is into all that we are, giving him access to ourselves, we receive from him the right to be called his children. What we've always wanted, whether we knew it or not, what we've been looking for, whether we knew it or not, what we were always searching for, that's what he has given us. 
That's why he came into the world so that we could know the father and be known to him as his children. Not, it says, born not of natural descent. Doesn't matter what family you came from anymore. You didn't have to be part of the nation of Israel to have access into this homeland. Not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or the will of man. Nothing that you could work in your own self. Nothing you, nothing you could devise in your own mind could bring this about and work it. He said, not of those things, but of God. All who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believed on his name, born not a natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We'll talk about that next week, Lord willing. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is why he came into the world, so that we could receive from him the right to be called children of God, to be children of God. That's why he came, his advent into the world. So that we wouldn't just try to bring him alongside what we're already doing, paralambano, but we would receive him, lambano, all that he is into all that we are, believing on his name and receive from him the, the statehood, the position of existence of a child of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, I pray that you would renew that revelation in our hearts. That we, we're not just your children as a, as a group, but we are individually a child of God. That you look on us with love and favor and grace and mercy and great joy and satisfaction and validation. That the same love with which you have loved Jesus Christ, you also love all those who have received him. And believed on his name, that we've been given the right to be children of God, not of natural descent. It doesn't matter who we came from. We belong to you, not of the will of the flesh or what we could do in our own strength. But the work that Jesus did and not of the will of man, all the things we could devise to try to uh, to try to trick you into loving us. It's useless. All we must do is believe on the one that you sent. Receive him as he is and believe on his name. And we are your children. Lord, renew and reinvigorate that realization in our hearts and our minds today and in this special season as we approach uh, this holy day where we celebrate that Christ came, that we would remember why he came and what it accomplished for us, that we're not lost in exile, but we have home first in our hearts and we're on our way to experiencing in a fullness that would overwhelm our wildest imagination. I thank you for all that you've worked for us and that all that we enjoy in you. And Lord, help us to persevere in this life with the hope that you've put on the inside of us, that Christ came and he will come again. We love you and we thank you. As we go from this place today, that we leave in peace and unity together with one another. 
Lord, protect us and keep us safe. As we go through this week, that we do so with you in mind and with our eyes not focused on ourselves, but looking outward to all those who are around, all, all those who are searching, wanting to be a child of God and not knowing that's what they're wanting. I thank you that you'll open doors for the gospel. I thank you that you'll open them up wide, that you've prepared hearts and we don't have to be uh, well-spoken. We, we don't have to be uber-prepared. We, we, we're just one of your kids and we can tell them who we belong to. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will lead that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we proceed towards this, through this time, that we use it in the way it's supposed to be used. And we allow you to use us in the way that will bring us ultimate satisfaction and validation. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.